welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. actually not an artist at all, um, very much so not, but my husband is, and unfortunately he can't be here this morning, so I am speaking on his behalf. Um, this is his photo here, and I will tell you all about it, but um, just to start out, Paul unfortunately isn't here because his mother passed away on Thursday, um, and she was very much a part of the reason why he picked um, this photo and Joy and um, part of the story, as you will see, so... Um, these are his words, not mine, so I won't talk about myself in the third person. He wrote it. Um, so yes, here we go. This image, like a lot of my work, tries to accomplish, tells a story. For me, this photo captures joy in the way God intended it. I've been captivated by mountains, in particular Mount Everest, ever since I was a kid. This mountain was high on my bucket list. My wife, Kylie, supported this idea wholeheartedly, and we saved up thousands of dollars, trained for months, flew halfway around the world, hiked eight hours a day for nine days, froze our butts off for this moment. This image is taken at sunrise from a peak across the valley from Everest. We woke up well before daybreak to climb up in the cold and wind and witness the event. Kylie would say it's the coldest she's been in her life, for real. <laughs> and I'm not that far behind. This was a moment of pure joy to me, made all the more joyful because of the profit, process and experiences that had led to this moment. Not all of it was fun along the way, but on so many parts of that journey, and especially this moment, I felt so alive and in awe of God's glory. My perspective on joy has been challenged this past week. On Thursday morning, we rather suddenly lost my mother to her 25-year-long battle with MS. Particularly in the last five years, she lost control of her body, both physically and mentally. In the end, she was unable to perform the most basic of functions on her own. But you can ask any person who had ever met her up to her final days what qualities stood out, and they would almost certainly say her joy. Joy is not conditional. It is more than happiness. It is not altered by your current disposition. Her outlook on life and her beautiful laugh weren't changed by her crummy situation. She received her true joy from something so much larger than us, from an unwavering faith in the God of the universe. Like going through sub-zero temps to watch the sunrise over the tallest point on earth, when we are truly captivated by God's glory and grace, things like being cut off in traffic, losing your job, or even a debilitating disease cannot steal our joy. So that's his photo. And now I'd like to invite Lynn up, who's going to read something that she wrote about joy. Joy. When peace can't contain herself, she abandons the quietness of her depths. Fueled by an eruption of giddiness, hundreds of bubbles become airborne and rest in the breeze like the fluff from spring seeds. Suspended between earth and sky, a moment is captured. This is joy. A seasonal burst of nature's color the arrival of anticipated news that punctuates two seasons of being, a long-awaited hug, or the warm aroma when preparing a special meal. Perhaps joy bubbles glisten when loved ones gather together during a holiday, when secrets are shared between soulmates, 
or in a moment of accomplishment that affirms the striving heart. Our senses allow these transitory moments to float within awareness until joy evaporates. Then our longings return to the solidness of peace, leaving behind a sensory memory to weave those fabrics of daydream. Sometimes joy bubbles up unexpectedly, loosening for a time the cloak of night sorrow. The heart is made glad by her news, an event in the life of another, a reminder that the uncomfortableness of one's present attire will not forever clothe the soul, that this too shall pass. As the psalmist has written, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy She is the reward for those who can live on through trials without losing sight of hope's light. For those who can believe that the seeds of goodness are in each human, simply awaiting the right conditions to take root, grow and flourish. The one who knows that each encounter with another has the potential to cultivate maturity, growth, an inner peace, who remembers with faith that the life safely hidden beneath false soil will withstand winter's chill, producing new blooms and bringing joy to those who help cultivate such colour. How joyous is the return of life. It laces dew-filled gardens with fragrance and gently dissolves the veil of winter mists. And so... From suffering, from the darkest night, even from death itself, emerged joy. How unexpected her form. How glorious. How humble. From an earthquake and then angels greeting a forlorn group of women to a softly spoken conversation in the garden, Joy surrounded every fiber connected to Jesus, the risen Son of God. Mysteriously, in a lowly stable, the light first descended to bring joy and meet his mother's eyes. The creator beheld his creation while she cradled her son, the very one whose being knew no beginning. Joy filled the skies that night with a multitude of shining voices. So long Israel had waited for their Messiah. So long people from every land had waited for a saviour, were needing a redeemer, and were wanting for a friend. That night, eternal hallelujahs to be penned by a finite hand, forever captured timeless praises, we one day hope to join. Likewise, in the garden and beyond, for those who had loved him, grieved for him, and lived beside him reunited once more, they knew joy. Joy, she is the scent of lilac riding carefree on the wind. 
the droplets on a web that playfully cast rainbows or a snowflake lightly tumbling. Each moment so unique and impossible to hold. But hope, she can be held. She bears the lantern for peace when those long nights of a thousand tears blur the way. No matter how dim her light can be trusted, it moves forward, opening up the unseen paths and illuminating eternity where joy will be complete. Peace is embodied. To have her embedded in the rock of one's soul is to experience the treasure of life. It is from those depths that joy bubbles up and the treasures of life are released. We invite you to consider the arrival of joy. Can you thank Lynn and... Kylie and Paul. Good night. I'm not sure this is worth doing <laughs> after that. I mean, wow. Wow. And to have an accent like that, I mean, seriously, that would take my preaching right over the top, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Wow. Try, I don't, try it out. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, man, I love this series. Thank you guys so much. That was, whew. So for hundreds of years, the church has this annual rhythm of Advent, and it, this calendar reminds us of these major movements in, well, redemptive history, the way in which God has moved and acted. And it includes things like Epiphany, if you didn't know, Epiphany is the season that comes right after Christmas, the light of God coming into the world. It includes uh, days like Christ the King Sunday, which, by the way, if you didn't know, was two weeks ago, Christ the King Sunday. This calendar includes certainly Lent and Easter and Holy Week, but it begins in Advent. The church calendar begins with Advent, which is so interesting, the season of waiting and hoping and longing. And it happens to be right smack dab in the middle of the darkest days of the year. December 21st, friends, it's the, it's the winter solstice. It's the darkest day of the year. It's the shortest day of the year, I should say. It's, it's the least amount of sun. And Advent is right in the middle of this season, which I find just fascinating and interesting, that a, a story with so much hope and light and joy and peace begins in darkness, which reminds me of another story that begins uh, the Bible, but I'm saving that one for Christmas Eve, so come back for that one. Um, Advent is the four Sundays before Christmas, and we light these candles, hope, joy, love, and peace, and then the center is this Christ candle, the light of God which comes into the world. So this morning, what I want to do is try to explore just for a bit of the, uh, in the time that we have left this idea, this word joy. And for me, joy looks like this. If you've got that, uh, that first picture there, Stephen. Yeah. That's the lease, friends. It's signed. How do you like me now? 
I can't tell you how excited I am. Like, this has been, just keep that up there if you could. Just, just take a look. That's actually not even my hand. That's Bruce, Bruce Morgan, our, one of our uh, advisory team members. But um, So if you didn't know, if you are in a social media hole and haven't looked at anything this last week, it's like the moment this happened, I sort of, you know, went on tweet uh, alert. I told the advisory team, I will not tweet anything until this thing is signed, because I did before a while back, and people were like, do we get it? Do we get it? And everyone was wondering. And they said, stop tweeting things. Just quit. You're, you're killing people. So I promised. And this, this, uh, so this happened this last week. And uh, just FYI, here's kind of the, the lay of the land in terms of what this means for us. Um, January 1st, Awaken will have access to this new space. It's, uh, it's an old Catholic church called St. James, uh, about two miles this way. Uh, so we'll have access to the building January 1st. The last worship gathering that we will have at the joke joint will be March the 1st. Um, and our plan is to do that with one gathering. So there are way too many people who, to fit in this room in one gathering, but we're going to do it anyways. So we're going to just like cram everybody from Awaken into this space for one gathering on March 1st. We'll sing, we'll celebrate communion, and we will remember um, what God has done here. And then March 8th is the first worship gathering at the new location, Awaken on the other side of the river, as it were. Um, and so the, the hope is that we'd have four weeks or so bef- in the new building, in the new space before Easter, which is April 5th this year. So um, that's what joy looks like to me. I'm pretty excited about that. So hopefully you guys are as well. I want to invite you this week, Wednesday and Saturday. It's the same event. Uh, we just want to cast vision for and give a tour of the space. So that'll be 6.30 uh, and 4 o'clock Wednesday and Saturday. So please be there if you can. Um, okay, commercial's over. So what is joy? Uh, joy, by definition, is uh, a feeling of great happiness, a source or cause of delight. A feeling of great happiness, a source or cause of delight. Fred McBeekner says this, uh, one of my favorite authors. He says, we need to be reminded that joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is man-made. Happiness is one of the highest achievements of which we are capable. And when it is ours, we take credit for it, and properly so. But we cannot and we never take credit for our moments of joy because we know that they are not man-made, that we are never really responsible for them. They come when they come. They are always sudden and quick and unrepeatable. So joy is something that's other than, it's something different than happiness. Happiness is something that we can strive for, we can certainly even work for, we can, we can secure and achieve on some levels, but joy is something that, that comes to us, it's something that happens. One author says, joy is based on the permanent, unshakable knowledge that in the big picture, all will be well with your soul. It sort of goes beyond circumstance, and it happens at the most unexplained and unexpected times, often, this joy. And the problem is this tension, this tension between the reality of the dark and cold and lonely and waiting season of Advent that we're in the middle of, and then this idea of joy. And we can talk about joy for as long and as much as we want, but it doesn't erase the fact that it's negative 20 outside in Minnesota, right? It doesn't erase the fact that it's not warm and fuzzy. It, and it doesn't protect us from the cold, hard facts of things like Ferguson or other places in our world. It doesn't protect us from oppression or broken systems or inequality or genocide or hunger or famine or disease and the waiting for someone or something to save us. It doesn't protect us from those things. And so there's this tension between here we are in Advent and we have this Sunday where we want to talk about joy, but it would be 
I think I would be remiss to talk about joy without holding that balance between the reality of our world and the moments of time and the experiences that we have and this thing we call joy. We all know how joy, it sneaks up on us sometimes in the most unlikely of places where in the midst of a funeral or loss or grief where we remember something or a story is told or an image comes and we are overwhelmed with unexplainable and undeniable joy. Where does it come from and what is this thing called joy? Scripture seems to think that you were made for it and that you once had it in full and that Jesus and the arrival of this babe at Christmas is God's work to bring it back. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2, a familiar passage that you've probably heard every Christmas you've ever been in a church. And I just want to read one portion of it and then one portion of John. I'll ask you to stand as we read God's word. Luke 2 verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And John chapter 15, verse 11 says this. Jesus says to his disciples, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Pray with me. God, as we explore and as we think about and wonder and are together on this Sunday where we reflect on joy, it's my prayer, it's my hope that you would, in the way that you do and in the way that joy does, it would find us, that it would surprise us, that it would bubble up within us and lift us up wherever we are. We're grateful for this community and for all that you are, all that you have given, and all that you will give. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. So just a couple of thoughts on joy. It seems that Jesus came to bring joy and to complete joy. So if maybe you could say it this way, our joy is now but not yet. Our joy is now but not yet. One of my favorite authors is a guy named N.T. Wright, and he uh, is brilliant. He's English. He writes uh, a, a lot, especially on the New Testament. And one of the things that he talks about is this idea of inaugurated eschatology. Now, eschatology is just a fancy word for sort of the study of the end times or the things that will happen in the end. And he says that the eschaton, or that which will happen in the end, has begun. It's been inaugurated, as it were. In the death, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, something has begun that is not yet complete. So something has started that ensures the end, but the end, of course, is not yet here. And so you and I, the church, he says, we live in the fifth act. If the acts of creation, or the acts of the scriptures are six in total, uh, creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, the church, the end, you and I, we live between these two sort of things that are the resurrection of Jesus and the consummation or the return of Jesus and, G and the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So we live in between these two things. One, one uh, person that I like to listen to talks about, we live between these two trees, the one in the Garden of Eden and the one in the, in the New Jerusalem. Joy is in the same sense now, but not yet. 
It seems to say in the scriptures that we are, are, are made for the completion or to, for joy to be our reality, to be normal, to be our experience, and yet it comes in these moments. And it's now, because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the arrival of Jesus, it's now and it's not yet. It's sort of both in the same. I think you could also say that we get glimpses of it. Um, have you ever seen a a mouse in your house before? Have you ever had mice in your house before? Um, it's a terrible thing when you have mice in your house, but it's actually, I think it's kind of exciting, you know? When I was a, ch- when I was a kid, we had mice often, and uh, I don't know if it was an old house that we lived in, and so there were lots of places for these little rodents to get in, or just all of the food that we left on the ground for the mice to eat, or they, I, I'm not really sure what, but either way, we had lots of mice, and, and my brothers and I, we, we had a, a tiny little house uh, 1057 Van Buren, and we would sit at the top of the stairs. There were five boys in two bedrooms, okay? Bunk bed, bunk, you know, bunk beds, and then a trundle bed in one room, and then bunk beds in the other room. It was awesome <laughs> for us. I'm sure it was horrible for my parents and <laughs> near-death experiences all the time. But we would sit at the top of our stairs, and we would look down the stairs, and that stairway went right out into the kitchen, and the back wall of the kitchen is where we would sit, and we would watch these little mice, and they would scurry, and they would sort of up- they would appear, and then they would be gone as quickly as they appeared. They would they would be gone, and it's I feel like joy is a bit like that. It sort of it comes and it goes, and we get these glimpses of it. Uh, if you have children, I'm I'm hoping that you can relate to this, but I've had this experience lately with my kids that they have these uh, the, this character deep within them. And in the midst of raising children and, and trying to keep a house clean and, you know, pay the bills and all the different things, uh, you sometimes focus on the things that are horrible or that they do really poorly, you know, like not cleaning up after themselves. Just put the, just screw the top on and put it away. You know, it's just a jelly jar. It's not that hard. Or, you know, clothes, you know, uh, or, hey, guys, there are three desks in this house that I have lovingly prepared for you to do your homework. But guess what? It all ends up on the dining room table. Why is that? You foc- I focus on some of these things. And then there are these moments that sort of break through where you get a glimpse of who they really are. I think joy is a bit like that. Just last night, we came home from celebrating the, the lease signing, and uh, our, Sydney was our babysitter, and she showed us this uh, card that Lyndon, our youngest, had made for her. And it was so sweet. It was like, you know, Sydney, I love you because you are, what did it say? Because you are nice. You know, spelled, you know, totally spelled phonetically. So just like <laughs> totally the wrong spelling. And it was, you know, Linda, you know, she just goes, goes, goes. And she's so like, you know, boisterous and alive. And, and then there are these moments where you just get a glimpse of this pure and precious little heart. Hadley, our oldest, wrote a note to uh, some of our friends. Uh, and it just painstakingly took care to write each you know, something about each member of this family and gave it to them. And they were just overwhelmed with the sweetness of this girl that it would be in her heart to, th- to think of them in that way. And you get these glimpses. And I think joy is a little bit like that, where we get glimpses of it, and it comes and it goes. It, it scurries as quickly as it comes. It scurries away. And, and I guess... Uh, I want to be, maybe be one to remind you that these glimpses of joy that we get, these glimpses of something, they are, they serve to remind us what's really true. 
And as much as I miss sometimes my children and, and the character or the people that they really are, these moments remind me of what's really true about them. And I think joy, as we get these glimpses of it in our day-to-day life, it's a reminder of what's actually true, that we're going to be okay, that God has done something on our behalf, and that in the end, everything that we may experience here and now, as painful and as difficult as it may be, these glimpses of joy that we get that sort of wash over us in a moment, I want to invite you to consider them as a reminder of what's really actually true about God and about the world and about what will be. Maybe I would say lastly that joy is a gift. And in in that, I mean that joy moves in one direction. Happiness, we've said, is something that you you can secure, you can sort of do something about, you can work towards, you can have a happy marriage and and you can invest in that and be a part of that and actually do something to make it happen. You can have a happy job or, or happiness in certain areas of your life. But joy is a gift and it moves in one direction and it's from the direction of God's heart to you and to me. Now certainly we can participate in the giving of joy, in God's giving of joy, and isn't that a wonderful moment when you actually get in the slipstream of what God is doing and what God is giving in joy, and you get to participate in that. And that is a joy all in its own. But it's always moving in one direction, and it is from God's heart to you and to me. And in that sense, it is a gift. It is a gift. It's something that we receive. Last week, actually this week too, (laughs) if any of you over here were watching me, um, I was sitting right over here last week, and Christmas is a, a, you know, nostalgic season, of course, for lots of different reasons. And for those that have been around Awakened since it's begun, Advent and this series and Christmas has, has been one of the most favored and remembered seasons. We've just had so much fun together in this space, creating and telling the story of Jesus. And I cut my tree down last week after, after Thanksgiving, and we were sitting decorating it. And I was listening to uh, Tides of Winter, which is Ben's album that they did last year. And I was just I was remembering, and I, I was sad, remembering that um, these beautiful moments, and like you do. And I sat right there, and John, Mark, and Cara played the song. If you weren't here on time last week, you should get here on time. <laughs> it was the first song that they did, and I was floored with an unexpected gift, and I just welled up with joy. And I was so grateful for this guy and what God has brought to this community in John Mark. And I was sitting here this morning listening to you sing this chorus and refrain that the church has sung forever. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, come. And I was just overwhelmed with joy, this gift that came unexpectedly in a moment where I was thinking about the loss of somebody's mom and these difficult things that we experience, and then there she is, joy, and she's a gift. And so I guess this Christmas, I want to invite you as we think about joy and we think about these things that we often do at Christmas, to remember that joy is a gift and that it's now but it's not yet. 
Maybe I'll just close with this. I was, at, I was studying and thinking about if the arrival of Jesus in Christmas is the arrival of joy, how often is it that when Christians or Jesus followers show up, that joy shows up too? Or maybe you could say it differently. How many of you would equate Jesus and religion and Christianity with the arrival of joy? You know, like a Christian shows up to a party and what shows up? Joy! <laughs> right? Or maybe not. And how unfortunate is it that for many in our world, Christians and Jesus and the church is not the arrival of joy, but it is the arrival of no fun. And it is the arrival of rules and no dancing and arrogance and judgment. That's what shows up when the church shows up and when Jesus shows up for many But the Jesus of the Gospels is anything but no fun and smug and judgmental and arrogant. That is the antithesis of what we find to be true about God in Jesus and what's revealed about God. And the true nature of God and the true nature of the kingdom that shows up at Christmas in Advent is anything but those things. It is rather, it is arms open embracing. It is like, get more wine and keep the party going. Let's not forget Jesus' first miracle, friends, right? The the, The wedding at Cana. It's, it's, it's like, keep the party going. Anybody and everybody, send out invitations to everybody and get them in. That's the nature of the arrival of this Jesus. And it is joy, friends. And so I guess I just want to invite you to not forget that maybe we've gone off course at times or maybe I have not represented this Jesus as accurately as could have But the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of Christmas, is the arrival of joy. And so may this Christmas you find joy coming to you in surprising and unexpected places. May you come to know the God of Christmas, the God who is made known to us in Jesus as the arrival of joy. That's my prayer. Pray with me if you would. God, we thank you for... For the simplest things like breath and music and the smell of a baby's head, of uh, the beauty of an innocent kiss. We thank you for all of the places in our life where thing, this thing called joy shows up. And it fills us up and it gives us reason to hope that anchors our belief that in the end, all will be made right. So God, we thank you for even the moments that we get these glimpses along the way of joy. Whether it's in the face of our kids or a note from a friend, the beauty of a sunrise, the simplest things. We thank you for those gifts that they are. God, help us to receive them as such to know that they come in one direction from you to us. And like grace, they're not because we deserve it, but because you love us. Because you love us so much. So God, help us to see that this Christmas. Help us to drink that up. Help us to take it in. And God, may it change us from the inside out. 
that we might become more and more and more like the source of joy, the place where it comes, your heart, what Jesus looks like. That's my prayer. This is from uh, Luke's Gospel. It's called Mary's Song. Mary says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has made, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now and all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Grace and peace to you. I love you guys. See you next week. www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.